open up your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And I'm going to share uh, a story that I, I wrote about in my book, The uh, Finding Peace in Troubled Times. And uh, I wrote this book when I went through a, a time of a lot of stress in my world. And as I went through that time, God began to give me keys and strategies to help me through times of stress. And it's so good to know that God is a very present help in times of trouble. So we're going to go through Matthew 14, 22, and I've got a great word for you today. So, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And I told the early service this morning that the wonderful thing that we need to know today is that we have an intercessor that is the greatest intercessor in all the world, and his name is Jesus. And he is praying for you right now. He's praying for your success. He's praying for your breakthrough. He's praying for revelation. He's praying that the joy of the Lord would be your strength. He is the perfect prayer intercessor. And the Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for you. You can't help but win when Jesus is praying for you. So I pray for you, but, but Jesus is another, another level again. He is, he is the one that is interceding on our behalf. And so Jesus is praying for the disciples while they are about to go into a storm and then out through the storm. You need to know today, whatever storms you face, that Jesus has got your back covered. He is praying for your success. That gives me hope in the middle of the storm because when we go into a storm, we don't know how bad the storm's going to be and we don't know how long the storm's going to go for. So like in this virus uh, epidemic, whatever you want to call it, pandemic, we don't know how long it's going to go for. Are we going to be cooped up for a day, two days, ten days? And so I was saying to the early service, I bought some jigsaw puzzles. I was going to YouTube and learn how to knit and crochet. We're learning all these survival techniques because we may have to batten down for a few days. We don't know. But it's like they're in a storm. We don't know how long it's going to go for and we don't know how bad it's going to be. But we do know that Jesus is praying for us in the storm. He needs to pray for my family. seven of us in the house and we've got to get along in the house for maybe a week. It, it was like a bit like Noah in the ark, wasn't it? Yeah. Imagine being in the ark for all those days, cooped up, no jigsaw puzzles, no TV, just counting animals. <laughs> maybe riding on the horse backwards and forwards along the ark. I don't know what they did. Wrestle with a tiger, you know, um, play I spy with a monkey. I don't know what you would do. But they're in this storm. It's a long time and they don't know when they're going to get out. It's challenging. And without the appropriate revelation in the storm, we're likely to misinterpret the storm and go through a whole lot of pain. And Jesus wants us to traverse the storm with great success because he's praying for us. So he says later in that night, he was, sorry, he was alone and the boat was a considerable distance from the land. (sighs) We're a long way from safety. We're getting a little bit nervous, out in the dark, stormy. And now we're sort of out from the shore and it's dark and it's cold and the waves are coming over the boat. 
and the wind's against us. And we feel like there's this, you may have picked it up, but as you walk through the streets, it feels like there's a, there's a cold wind. There's a, a stirring of the spirit of fear and people are, are in trepidation. So we're in the midst of a storm and we need to know how to live in the midst of the storm. One of the things that I've learned about going through storms in life, and we've, this is not the first storm that you've been in. And one of the things that you learn about a storm is you ask yourself this question, what did Jesus say before I went into the storm? So I've been through challenges in my life. Uh, I remember when we made some financial decisions and we heard God speak to us so clearly, so yeah, yeah, we're into this. And then it's like three months down the track and the storms hit and you think, where are you, God? What are you saying? And it's like silence. There's nothing there for a season. And so you've got to go back to what did God say to me before the storms came? Because he hasn't changed his mind. In this story, the the word of the Lord is go over to the other side. Okay, He didn't say sink in the middle. He said, I want you to cross over to the other side. And so we get into the storm and we ask God, is there a plan B? Did you, did you really mean to cross over the other side? Did you say cross over half the side and sink? What, what did you say? And you go back to the beginning. What did God say to us? What, did, what was God saying to the church before the storms came? See, God hasn't ripped up his plans. It's not, okay, I didn't see this virus coming. We're going to have to downsize. We're going to have to change all the plans. No, we're anchored by the words that he spoke before we went into the storm. So for us, as a church, it was the year of acceleration, not deacceleration. Now, he hasn't taken a foot off the accelerator and put it on the brake. The handbrake's not on now. He said to us, this is a year of acceleration. So I go back to what God said before it all broke out. We're going to accelerate. We're not going backwards. We're going to grow as a church and we're going to grow as a people. We're going to see more of God. And so we go back to what God said before the storm came. One of the things that God said at the start of this year or before the start of this year around the body of Christ was uh, 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20. Believe in the Lord God and you shall be established. Believe in the prophets and you will prosper. You may know the story in 2 Chronicles 20 that a great army had come against Israel and they were freaking out, they were afraid and the prophet stands up and he says, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Send out the worshippers and the praisers and as they go out, the Lord will take care of it. And as the, they were surrounded by an army but... The biggest problem was not the army, it was the fear attached to the army. And for us today, it's, it's not so much the virus, it's the fear attached around it. And so the Lord said, send out your worshippers and I'll take care of it. And so we need to understand that, that this hasn't caught God by surprise in this year of 2020, that God is able, God is able to take out all the armies that come against us because he's with us, Amen. So go back to Matthew 14, verse 25. We're going to cross over to the other side, church. Did you hear me? You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. It's actually going to be more than okay. It's going to be great. Matthew 14, 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to the disciples. Now, I want you to understand something about this passage. 
This is a reference to the season just before the Lord's return. It says these words, shortly before the dawn. It's the dawn of a new age. It's, a, it's, it's both a picture of what literally happened with Jesus and the disciples. But this story, and see, so when you read the Bible, you need to understand that there are lots of layers and hidden in the scripture are little keys for us, well, the big keys that unpack what God is doing. And so we see in this story, in the last days before Jesus comes, there will be storms, there will be fear. The Bible said that men's hearts will fail because of fear. But in the midst of the storm, Jesus will come walking to his church in a form that he's never used before. It says shortly before the dawn. So this is a day and age where Jesus will appear before his church in a whole new way. Amen? Amen. You excited about that? Yeah. So Jesus walked out on the lake. And the disciples saw him walking on the lake and they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. How we see in the storm is critical. How you see right now, I don't mean just in, with physical eyes, I mean how you see your perception of what's happening right now on this earth, in this nation, in your city, in your family, in your workplace, in your heart, how you see makes all the difference. You need to understand this. Because Jesus came to his disciples in a form that they'd never seen before. They were used to Jesus on the shore, because that was safe. You were used to a Jesus from last year. And now this is a whole new ball game. And you're going to have to see Jesus in a different way. He's coming to you, walking on the water, looking like a ghost. Now there's a form of Jesus that they don't recognize in an environment they don't recognize. And so you have to have eyes to see what Jesus is doing. Is this making sense to you? He was walking on the water in the dark of the night. This is why you need eyes that what we call are prophetic. It's the ability to see in the dark when others don't see. That's why the Bible says, Arise and shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, it says, The earth is in deep darkness, but the light of the Lord has arisen upon you. You are the light of the world. It means that you and I see things that nobody else sees. They see fear. They see downturn. They see uh, regression. But we see acceleration. We see opportunity. We see faith. We see God at work. Are you getting this? When Jesus came, they cried out in fear. Because the storm had got inside them. There are moments over the last few weeks where the storm's got inside of me for a little moment or two, where I begin to think about survival, about how good it would be to own a farm in Yakandanda or somewhere where I could go and hide and come back in six months' time, where we plan how to survive. Now, what would happen... If this went backwards and that happened and this happened and all of a sudden you've got to grab yourself and say, no, I need eyes to see what God is 
is doing, what Jesus is doing right now. I don't want the storm to get in me. I do not want the spirit of this age to get inside me. And so, yes, we need to read. We need to know what's going on in the world. But there, there comes a time where I, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, Andrew, turn it off. Get my perspective. This is what's happening. These are the facts. But this is what I am seeing. If you spend too much time in the boat, looking at the storm, looking at the wind, you won't recognize Jesus walking on the water. God was bringing them a solution to their problem. See, right now, Jesus is walking on the water right towards you. This is what he's saying. I'm coming to my people. This week, Jesus is coming to your house. He's coming to your workplace. He's coming to your marriage. He's coming to your finances. He's walking towards you. He's on an assignment to get to you. You've got to believe it. This scripture is here for troubled times to say to you and I, I am the same yesterday, today and forever. I always walk on water when my people in the storms of life. I always come to them. You've got to be expecting in your heart that this week I am going to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. He is walking towards me. But if I get the storm inside my heart, See, one, one, one gospel says that Jesus would have walked right by them because they had a number of encounters with Jesus on the, ocean, on the lake where, where, where there were supernatural things happening and we can miss the moments because their eyes are blind. You see, every promise of God is faith activated, voice activated. And if we have eyes, see, that's why one Christian, one believer, one child of God can see Jesus coming and receive and others can just sink in their boat. It's, Jesus comes to every single believer, but only those that have eyes to see encounter him. If you're obsessed with the fear, if you're downsizing in your mind, if you're in uh, survival mode, you will miss your moment. And I'm here to tell you as your pastor, God has given us eyes to see. Amen. This, this world, this city needs you. You are the light of the world. You are the light in darkness. Yeah. There are people all around. We are encountering every day that I go out, people in great need. And they need us right now to have eyes of faith to see when they can't see. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Verse 26. And let me just say before I go to verse 26, it's so important that we see right because we will always transform our world into the likeness of our revelation. Write that down. You will always transform your world into the likeness of your revelation. So if you see, see a God that's in, in, not interested in you, if you see a God that doesn't want to help you through this, if you think everything's going to get bleak, you will transform your world into the likeness of your revelation. Peter, as we'll see soon, had a revelation in his heart that Jesus would come to him on the water. And so he transformed his world into the likeness of that revelation and he walked on water. The other 11 had a revelation that Jesus doesn't walk on water, that he's a ghost, that he doesn't appear. And so they transformed their world into the likeness of their revelation and they remained in the boat. Verse 26. When the disciples saw Jesus, so whatever you see is so important because, listen, what you see then determines what you say. 
Whatever you see, you will speak. Whatever you perceive, whatever your revelation is, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. So listen this week to what comes out of your mouth because it is a sign to you of what you're seeing. The, the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake and they were terrified. Here's their opportunity. Jesus is coming to them with the answer, but when they see him, they're terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. So they said with their mouths when they saw Jesus, it is a ghost. And then they cried out in fear. Ah! <laughs> so what's coming out of their mouth? Fear? Wrong perceptions? Here comes their answer and they think it's a ghost. Actually, what they think, it is the enemy at work, when truly it's Jesus coming. Jesus immediately said to them, listen to what Jesus says, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. These are the words of Jesus. And this is what I've learned about Jesus, is that whenever we're in a storm, Jesus will always speak. Do you see these words? As soon as they voice their fears, they see Jesus, they voice their fears, Jesus immediately responds. He doesn't wait an hour, but immediately he speaks. I want you to know this week that Jesus is going to be speaking to you every single day. If you believe Jesus is going to be speaking to you every single day. If you think he's not, well, you'll turn him into a ghost. You'll turn him into someone who doesn't want to relate to you. But Jesus is saying to us in the last days, when it seems so dark, I may come in forms that you're not used to, but you need to know this, I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak and I'm going to get you to the other side. Yeah. I'd be excited about that if I was you. And Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Yay for Peter. And Jesus said, come. See, if I have eyes to see and if I begin to speak the language of faith, it activates even greater responses from God to me. Now, when Jesus speaks to me, it's an invitation for me then to speak to my storm. Isaiah 41.15 says, I am making you into a powerful threshing instrument with teeth that are new and sharp. Literally, that, that word, that phrase, literally means I'm going to give you two mouths. The Bible says that, the scripture says the Bible is a two-edged sword. And literally what this passage is saying in Isaiah is that God is going to speak and then you're going to speak. God is going to speak in your storm and you're going to speak. God will speak, and then you will speak. God will speak and bring courage and strategy, and then you are to release the word of the Lord into that circumstance. God is going to give you words and, and ideas and revelation, and this week you are to release the word of the Lord into your storm. When you hear the Lord say, take courage, I'm with you, you say, Lord, 
I'm taking courage because you're with me. I'm reading Psalm 91, Psalm 27. I'm declaring that over my life because every promise is faith and voice activated. And as Jesus speaks to us in the storm, we are to release the word because it's on Peter's voice being activated through the commands of God that he was ushered into a higher realm and he began to walk on the water. You need to speak this week into your storm. Or you can be like the 11 disciples that turned Jesus into a ghost who spoke words of fear and were restricted to a life in a sinking boat. And I don't know about you, I don't want to batten down the hatch and just barely make it through this season. I want to come out of this season with stories of supernatural grace and favor and exploits. Think about it. Peter finished this story. You, I mean, you think about it. How many of you can say, I went through a storm and I walked on water? <laughs> I mean, what a story to tell your kids. I was the man that walked on water. Yeah, I sank, but Jesus was there when I sank and he pulled me back out of the water. Imagine that, sinking in the water. And then Jesus grabs your hands and then lifts you out of the water and walks you back to the boat. That's a story and a half. You see, in this storm, we are, if you have eyes to see and a mouth to speak, you'll have stories and testimonies that you will tell for the rest of your life. Twelve sat in a boat, and in this boat, only one saw Jesus. And I say, thank God for Peter. Thank God for one man in a boat that had eyes to see and ears to hear. This is a, a very significant moment in time where the body of Christ needs to be so careful who's in the boat with them and who's speaking and what you're following. There are voices being released right now in the body of Christ and some of them are really good and some of them I flush down the toilet because it's garbage. Let me, let me address a couple. This virus is not here as a result of God being ticked off with the world because we've had so many abortions. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because firstly, when Jesus died on the cross, all our sin was paid for. There is no bad sin and no good sin. Just one little sin is enough to pollute the whole world because God is perfect and holy. No sin can stand in the presence of God. He's perfect. So to think that we could upgrade our sin and get so much of it that God would finally be ticked off is just rubbish. And we're not in a generation that is particularly evil. We're not in the worst generation. There's been evil in every generation. Yeah. And you need to understand, this is not God's doing. God, through Jesus, paid the price. We are in an era of grace and mercy. 
Isaiah 54 tells us that never again will I be angry with you or rebuke you. The new covenant is one of grace and mercy. It's the kindness of God that is leading the world to repentance. And so you need to understand that God is not ticked off. He's not pronouncing judgment. He's not doing any of that. God has a plan and it's a redemptive plan. So if you listen, if you have a disposition to fear then you will align your hearts with fear-mongering prophets and apostles. And all that will do is instill in you a spirit of fear. It will change your eyesight and you will not see Jesus at work. Let me understand. We are not bailing out. We are not crashing out. We are not trying to escape anything. Jesus said, occupy the earth till I come. The way of the kingdom is increasing, not decreasing. It's not going to get more and more evil. The light, yes, it will be dark, but the light will shine brighter and brighter and brighter. It takes no faith to believe that everything's going to get worse. The church is to exercise a spirit of faith in this age instead of fear. So many Prophets are partnering with the spirit of this age, which is fear. And what they are picking up, I believe, is the own fear in their soul. And they are articulating that and thinking it's God. So you need to make sure that you align your heart with what God sees. God is a redemptive God. And so if you're in a boat with 12 people and they've all got eat-all mentalities and filled with fear and, and are looking for the rapture to come and rescue them, not, not a bride, and they're beating the bride up and saying, you know, the bride needs to get attacked together. And how many are beating up all oh, these big churches? You know, it's going to be the end of them, and it's all their fault, and they've got a shallow gospel in there. And, and, and so much ridicule. It's like, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bride of Christ is glorious. And so we honor the hill songs and the and all the different churches, and they love God, and they're preaching the gospel. How dare you beat these churches up to, to, to build a following of fear-mongering followers? Don't do that. So in the boat, there are 12 people, but one's got eyes of faith. You see, if you're not seeing carefully and clearly, you'll miss what God has. It's like the children of Israel, when they went into the promised land, there were 10 spies, and 10 of them were evil and two were good. 10 brought back a report that was true, but had no anointing in it. it was no, there was no faith in it. They just reported there were giants there. And we can do the same. There's, there's, there's businesses going bankrupt and there's people dying and, and yada, 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 and, and all that sort of garbage. But see, they came back and God was angry with him. And in fact, those 10 spies died early, prematurely in a plague because God was so ticked off of them because they polluted the rest of the children of Israel. Beware what you say to the bride of Christ. Beware what you say to each other, that you don't become proponents of fear-mongering rather than people that build up one another in our holy faith. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So the message of this hour is clear. Jesus is coming walking on the water and he's about to speak to his church in a profound way. Haggai 2 verse 6. This, I believe, is the word of the Lord in the midst of the storm for the church. I asked the Lord, what are you doing? And he directed me to this scripture very clearly. For thus is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is the phrase for the captain of the angel army. I had a dream a number of years ago 
which was profound. The Lord came into my room in the dream and turned me physically upside down. So I was hanging in the room by my feet. And the glory of the Lord filled the room. A number of things happened. But the, the, the thing I wanted to highlight in my dream, that as I was then released in the room and I walked out, out of the house, I saw busloads of angels coming onto my property. I mean hundreds and hundreds of angels dressed in business suits, laughing and rejoicing, and they were leading off my property a whole host of people that were pictures of demons and they were handcuffed. And they were, they, were, they were bringing in a change in the kingdom where the enemy would be bound in such a profound way. And I remember seeing these angels and the thought that came to me was there was more angels being released in this hour than was ever needed. It was overkill. Amen. And there were busloads of them coming to my property, one after another. And they were laughing and rejoicing as I was just watching out my front door as they were leading all these people off my property. And I knew a shift was coming. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the captain of the angel army. Count in this passage how many times that phrase is said. Once more I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. There's a lot of keys in this passage to what's happening now. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. How many times does it say Lord of hosts? Five. How many times? Five. Five. You're very clever. Five is the number of grace. It's a season of unparalleled grace. David had five stones in his slingshot to take down the giant. And God's releasing right now five different stones or keys to the body of Christ. And each one of them will be accompanied by a release of angelic activity. So are you ready? Here are the five. Number one. The first one in this passage is that there will be an announcement of Jesus as the desire of all the nations. There will be an astonishing, fresh awakening right around the world of desire for Jesus. People will see their need for Jesus as their protector, their saviour, their provider, their friend and king. Hearts are going to come alive to Jesus like never before. Jesus is going to become the desire of all nations. What is Jesus saying in the storm? This is what he's saying. I'm about to awaken your heart to me. And not only that, I'm going to awaken the entire church heart to me. So you watch, after this storm is finished, this church, the church's of the world, this city, this nation, are going to come alive in a whole new way. In fact, you're all going to become more powerful, more committed, more engaged, more in love, more on fire than ever before. In fact, we're not worried about you. See, in the natural, I can think, oh, Lord, what about my church? What about the people? I'm the daddy and they're the kids and I'm afraid that if I'm not with them, they won't survive. You know, that's how a father feels about their kids in the natural. But God's saying... I'm about to awaken such desire in them. You don't need to worry about them. They are going to fall in love with me like never before. This will be the making of them. But not just them. Jesus is going to awaken the desire for him in all of the nations of the world. There's going to be, Rob Jones prophesied, a billion soul harvest. There's going to be waves of desire. People are going to come alive to him. 
And he says, I am the host of the angel army. And I'm releasing angels right now to quicken people's hearts. They are messengers that come to help those who will inherit salvation. Angels are activated before you get saved, as you get saved, and after you get saved. Do you understand that? That's their role. They come alongside those that will inherit salvation. And so they're going to awaken desire in our hearts. Isn't that exciting? You're about to get hot for Jesus in a whole new way. Come on, give him a hand. Number two, he's going to shake every competing desire. Listen to this. Everything that man has erected as a substitute to Jesus is about to be challenged. Every competing distraction is about to be obliterated and then redefined through a new kingdom paradigm. The seven mountain mandate is about to take center stage. The seven mountain mandate, if you don't understand what it is, go and look online. It came to understanding the body of Christ. Yeah, I get that, but it wasn't able to be implemented because in every mountain there had been resistance, education, entertainment, politics, every mountain, it was like a no-go zone. Yes, you may understand it, but you will not get up the mountain. And so God's saying, I'm going to shake every mountain. I'm going to shake every competing desire, and I'm going to bring it down. Now, there's nothing wrong per se in those mountains. So even AFL, okay, a wonderful thing to watch. But that mountain's been shaken, that whole realm, because people have attached their desire more desire for a sports game than Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to shake every competing desire. I'm going to rip it down so people's hearts are focused on me. And as they're captivated by me, I will then release them to the seven mountains to bring an expression of my heart to those mountains. And my, they can't take the mountains until they capture my heart. And so he shakes every competing desire. So men and women rise up captivated by him and then they express him in the mountains. Does that make sense? So what God is doing, he's shutting down things so people's hearts won't be engaged with them. So they have to sit at home and think, what's life all about? And all of a sudden, Jesus is going to capture their heart. Number three, God's house, which is his people, will experience and transmit so much glory. He says, the glory of, my, of the latter house will be greater than the former. Karen had a vision that in this season, every preceding revival in the last 2,000 years, healing, miracles, holiness revival, teaching revival, every revival will be brought together and put in one bowl and poured out upon the earth. Yeah. And the glory of the earth of the Lord will fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. There will be unprecedented glory upon God's people. This is what Jesus is saying in the storm. Take heart. It is I. Be of good courage. Come out to me in this realm of supernatural living. I'm about to pour out my glory. This is not a time to be fearful and afraid. So bring it on, Lord. Pour out your glory. Get rid of every competing desire in my heart. Let my attention be upon you and pour out your glory. He says in Isaiah 60, 13, his glory, he will glorify the place where his feet rest. Number four, there will be a reordering of the financial system. We said that last week. We've said that for a number of months. God's turning upside down the whole financial system. And this is what I wrote about this. There have been many strongholds that have prevented the flow of kingdom resources. 
Money has been in the wrong hands and this is all about to change. God has been, as it were, silently preparing a Joseph people, listen, who will be equipped to handle large transfers of wealth without being contaminated in the process. God is about to unveil hidden wealth through his church on a scale never seen before. The enemy has used this season as a means to curtail kingdom expansion and the fresh vision that many churches have recently received. Some are making plans to down, down, sorry, downscale and downsize because what is perceived of a drying up of resources. So they're in retreat. They're thinking to themselves, people are going to stop giving. People are going to lose their job. We need to downscale, downsize. We need to retreat. But the opposite is actually true. Amen. Did you hear that? Yeah. The opposite is actually about to happen. There is going to be a, a unending, an upside down, a turning over, and there's going to come a release of such finances into the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's what Jesus is saying. Isaiah 45.3 says, I will give you the hidden treasures from dark and sealed places. And I will give you wealth that is waiting in secret sites. God is going to open our eyes to see where the money is and how to release it. And it won't contaminate our hearts. Let me tell you something. This is not a time to stop giving. Did you hear me? This is not about giving. To, this is not a time to stop giving. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than is received. What he's saying is everyone wants money to come to them and it's, and it's nice, it's a blessing to receive. But the true power of kingdom expansion lies in the releasing of finances. That's where the blessing is. And as we do that, there is a, a release of the kingdom in our life. If I had $10 left, I would still give away, I'd, sorry, I'd still pay, release my tithe, give it back to the Lord and I'd find someone to bless because I know this, if I've only got $10 to give, I need to get into the kingdom expansion. I need to be positioned for the overflow of God. And I want to say to you today, don't stop being a blessing. Don't stop being a flow of, of generosity, people. If you've got a spare toilet roll, give it to someone. If you find someone down the street that needs their groceries paid for, release what you have. Give into the work of the Lord. Don't stop because we're on the verge of the greatest release of finances the world has ever seen. God said, the gold is mine and the silver is mine, says the Lord. There is an unending, a, a turning over of all the financial system. And I'm giving you some keys here now, if you have ears to hear. There's going to be a shift in what is true value. You do with that what you may. But I'm telling you, what is now known as currency and the values of man, they're going to print out so much money. They're going to try every scheme in the book and there's going to come a true re revelation of what is really valuable in this world. Yeah. Jesus, God said, the gold is mine and the silver is mine. I'm going to turn it all upside down. And my people will be positioned like Joseph to take what belongs to them and then be a resource to all the world. Do you know in 14 years, everything was transferred to Pharaoh because of Joseph? The people, the resources, the food, everything. Because Joseph heard from the Lord and positioned himself. Lastly, I hope you're getting what I'm saying. God will bring peace. So an angel released in every one of those realms. The shalom of his presence we are embarking on a fresh wave of wholeness for the body of Christ. 
This current outbreak has revealed to the church fears, anxieties, and limitations in our heart. It's been a check for us, hasn't it? It's like, flip, is that really there? I thought I'd dealt with that. This whole thing is revealed with his leaks in our heart. The storm's got in. And God's about to heal us because the bride is going to be glorious in every way possible. We're going to come into a rest and we're going to discover that God has actually completed all our works. All our life has been completed before we even were born. The Bible says that God rested on the seventh day. Why? Because all his works were finished. So that means that I am walking into tomorrow that is already completed. God's already done the work. The provision is already there. And there's going to be a peace because I know that God is in today, tomorrow, and yesterday, all at the same time. We are going to come into such a shalom of God. And it will be like, it will be like night and day. People will walk past you and you'll carry a dimension of the glorious peace of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and everyone will notice because you will walk in a different way. There is wholeness coming to the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. And those five things we need to begin to declare out of our mouth. Lord, and I'm just, just going to pray them over you right now before we finish. Lord, I just pray and declare over your people that you are the desire of their heart. And you are awakening fresh desire in every person here right now. And we agree that not just in our lives, but right across this city and this nation, that you are the desire of this nation. And I declare today that not only you are the desire of nations, but you are shaking and bringing down every competing desire, every desire, every distraction, everything that's been in our heart, every idol in our heart, every fear, concern, you are crushing and breaking and delivering us from. And even around us, Lord, every competing desire that comes against your kingdom, we just say, Lord, bring it down. Shake what can be shaken so all that remains is your kingdom. Lord, we declare today in Jesus' name that your glory will be greater today than it's ever been before. That you are collecting all your outpourings and releasing it in one moment in time. We say the glory of this house will be greater than ever before. We are your glorious children. The place of your feet will be glorious. People will be drawn by the glory that is on this house. We declare today in Jesus' name that there's a reordering of finance. Lord, that there's such money and wealth is coming into your house, to the hands of your people, to be a blessing and resource to the nations of the world. And we say thank you, Father, for strategies to prosper in this hour. And we pray over our hearts that they will not be contaminated by wealth, that, Lord, it will come in and it will flow out. Cause us to be a blessing. And we pray finally, Lord, that your peace will be upon our hearts. Lord, that you would heal our hearts and bring wholeness. Lord, send forth your angels right now to accomplish your work. And we thank you for your word, Lord, even in this storm that we face. And all God's people said, Amen.